0: Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. This is Phil Harvey. I'm an editor here at Light Reading, and I'm joined on the podcast, as ever, by my colleague and fellow editor, Kelsey Zeiser. Hey, Kelsey.
1: What's up, Phil?
0: <laughs> uh, I would say not a lot, but uh, we're recording this on a Friday afternoon, so lots <laughs> of, a lot of things are up. My, uh, my appetite, my blood pressure, uh, oh, man. We're, we're, we haven't passed election day yet, so I'm am I'm at at the time of this recording, so uh, I'm I'm full of Literally on the edge of your seat. (laughs) That's right. Literally on the edge of my seat. But that's just to get it closer to the microphone so we can do this podcast. (laughs) Um, We do have a guest today. Uh, Our guest is Erin Dunn, uh, the uh, uh, Director of Research Services at Vertical Systems Group. Um, One of the smartest people I think we know in the networking space, probably.
1: Yeah, she's real sharp.
0: And she seems to uh, have a great ability to uh, take all of these networking concepts (laughs) that (laughs) compete for attention in the marketplace and distill them down to kind of like, you know, normal conversation and (laughs) (laughs) what we need to know to understand why the service providers are happy or sad. (laughs) I hope and and, and, I, and she's got a good enough sense of humor that I don't think she's upset that I, I uh, uh, oversimplify her work. That no, way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but now we talk about uh, you know just the, the the overall impact of the pandemic because of course we can't escape it. But um, you know what what what's happened with fiber deployments and five G deployments and how that sort of ricochets and has ripple effects throughout the service provider market. Um, we talk about the SD-WAN market, of course, and you had some good questions about like, not just the, the, the impact and the scale of things like zero trust access, but also, um, you know, the, the trajectory of SD-WAN in Mm -hmm. terms of, um, you know, groups like MEF and how they're, uh, looking to unify what all this, the way all the service providers describe and, Provision and account for such services in the marketplace.
1: Right. Yeah. And had some good insight on, um, you know, what the impact might be of service providers and suppliers having that SD WAN or SASE certification from math and what that could mean for their enterprise customers. And even got some predictions for how 2021 could possibly be brighter for us yes
0: yes she was uh she was uh, very uh, uh uh generous not to hang up when we asked for predictions for next <laughs> year uh, for the market because uh you know in in 2020 that's what the that's what the tendency's been
1: <laughs> yeah well we didn't ask her to predict when a vaccine will be so it's all
0: right. no no we just talked about uh SD-WAN and those those type of services but but it is important to note that you know sh- she is you know incredibly optimistic about the rebound of that market in the service provider space. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and she lays out the case pretty, uh, pretty thoroughly. So, uh, so without any further ado, let's, uh, let, let's get to this podcast where we talk to Aaron Dunn, uh, Director of Research Services for Vertical Systems Group. This podcast is sponsored by Nokia, proud builder of IP and optical communications infrastructure, the beating heart of the networks that keep us all going. Nokia IP and Optical, the foundation for what's
2: to come.
1: Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast, Erin. It's good to have you here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So we wanted to talk to you a little bit about did you know that there's a, a pandemic going on
2: i had no idea i've been <laughs> i've been stuck oh. in my house i had no idea well, before we get into questions we, we,
0: we've got a lot of explaining to
2: do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh,
1: that's sorry that's my favorite joke of, mm-hmm. <laughs> what there's a pandemic mm-hmm. <laughs> but of course um you know as i'm sure you're aware <laughs> There's been a lot more uh remote working and you know, of course, we're all working from home right now. Has that had a significant impact on fiber build-outs and 5G deployments? What have you been tracking there?
2: Wow, we have been tracking this in some detail, and it's it's really, really interesting. Uh we've been tracking fiber building, fiber connected buildings for years. And at this point there's upwards of let's say 60, almost 65% of the large buildings are connected in the US. The little guys, the smaller than 20 employees, it's, it hovers around 12% right now. Now, when you get smaller than that, um, it, it really is a very small amount of connected buildings via fiber. Why? Because when you're at a very small employee count, typically broadband works great over whatever the telco is going to give you or the or the uh, MSO is going to give you HFC, some sort of other technology. So that works great. Uh, however, uh, our official 2020 outlook is that while essential fiber deployments will proceed, and they are proceeding, mm-hmm. the planned installations will be adjusted due to Unanticipated capacity demands caused by the coronavirus crisis. Did that sound rehearsed to you? No. It was. I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you the real answer. I'm going to give you the real answer, since that's since that's the official answer. Well, you're being so, specific. So I'm going to be very. Specific. You know, service providers had to make some very difficult and very deliberate decisions mm. about the top priorities for fiber buildouts because it got really hard. Uh, they couldn't roll trucks. They couldn't get into buildings. They couldn't get to where they needed to do either because of personnel issues or just very just very specific pandemic issues. Um, so what do they need to do? Did they need to go deeper into the footprint to reach more remote areas? Did they need to have more density in urban areas? Did they need to target the residential broadband and then expand that out to some of the uh, smaller buildings? Or did they target wireless backhaul or 5G support? Really what it comes down to is there was a distributed bandwidth boom. We took hundreds and thousands of employees that used to be in one single place and put them all over the place. <laughs> and and there really, there was a lot of very different needs. Uh, so um, the impact is that, yes, there's been a bandwidth boom in the residential areas and service providers have had to deal with that. So you're seeing a lot more business like fiber deployments to homes. Mm-hmm. You're seeing a lot more HFC where the F gets a little closer to the homes. Um so it's been very interesting and this is all good for 5G because 5G don't work unless you have a lot of fiber. And so those fiber wires are getting deeper and they're getting more dispersed, and that is great for five G radios.
0: Yes, indeed. Um, does it, it, I, and that also helps explain, you know, the the sudden interest in um, fixed wireless access because suddenly, um, I guess, in the process of service providers making those difficult decisions about uh, how and where and when to build, they probably realize that some some amount of these buildings they can hit um, pretty efficiently by not by getting close but not too close. Yeah. And um and 4G you know still still works for that for uh, for a lot of reasons so uh, that 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 putting it all together now it does make make more sense why we suddenly had um uh, a spike in residential broadband a uh, huge uptick in bandwidth mm-hmm. uh, and then and then all the carriers almost exactly at the same time started saying, Hey, we're really serious about fixed access, or fixed wireless right. access, you know, that sort of thing. So, yeah, um, because it, because it all kind of, all kind of dovetails together, but it also strategically fills a big gap that they really probably can't get to first, probably a little bit longer. Although some businesses are going, um, you know, back to work in, in small amounts. So they're, they're, they're opening up, but I'm not, I'm not even sure that they can still continue to build in the, uh, to continue to connect the buildings at the same rate that they were doing?
2: Oh, I I, I think not as far as the connection to the buildings at this point. Uh, it's just hard to get in the buildings. It's hard to schedule it. Everything's appointment based. And yeah. uh, so we've seen a lot of that in the slowdowns. I think just going back also to the fixed wireless uh, comment mm. that you made, uh, one, of, one of the great things about fixed wireless is it's almost instantaneous, right? Yeah, you hook it up and it works, (laughs) you don't, you don't have to roll trucks. Uh, Well, it's just easier to get up and running quickly. And that has been one of the, one of the requirements is how do I get
1: reliable bandwidth quickly? Yes, indeed. Mm Also, been seeing uh, more announcements lately about, uh, especially from SD WAN suppliers, about providing SD WAN services for remote workers and wanted to hear what you see as trending there um, in terms of uh, SD WAN services uh, for the home, as well as um, also hearing more about zero trust um, access uh, or remote access as an important piece.
2: That is an important piece. Uh, I think I want to rephrase that question uh, because zero trust access and SD-WAN services are technologies that are addressing the overall requirements for work from home. And The overall requirements are, as we just said, bandwidth and networking that is secure
1: mm-hmm.
2: and stable and fast. And though SD-WAN is one of the technologies or one of the solutions that achieves that, it's not the only one by any stretch. So what we're seeing is every one of the service providers and the equipment vendors that are playing in this market is scrambling, and I think that's a great word for it, to try to address this requirement. The requirement that we just talked about just a couple of minutes ago, which is you're taking hundreds and thousands of workers that used to be in one place and secured by their corporate IT policies Mm -hmm. uh, and technology and then putting them at home on a residential broadband connection, sometimes with their home laptop, with their kids playing Fortnite next (laughs) to them. And I was going to
1: say, now there's toddlers
2: with access. That's right. And iPads and everything's fine. It's crazy. (laughs) And the biggest issue, and this pulls in zero trust, this pulls in SD-WAN, it pulls in all of the networking technology is where, where, where do you inspect those packets and how do you do it? Mm -hmm. So what we're seeing is a lot of the solutions that the service providers, and of course, this is self-serving, is they say, you need another connection. And then we'll attach right. our box to it, and then mm-hmm. all your corporate um, connectivity goes over this one. Right. Well, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> great for them. Um, and because the other way is hard, you have home gateways, home routers, and you have lots of other instances that should be within that trusted network that can't be trusted. Uh, so, um, so that's it's 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 incredibly complex. Um, and the service providers and the equipment vendors are struggling with it. And one of the big things we've seen on the SD-WAN side for work from home is that SD-WAN appliances, let's say, or remote connectivity devices are not that very inexpensive. And they're not, they're somewhat complex. Two things that don't work well in the home.
0: In that vein, as we're talking about uh, providing well, Before I ask the question, I just quick quick note about uh, this. I mean, it's all very complex because we're all trying to do everything over one connection. You know, unmanaged connection. Back in the day, I guess service providers would just build an entire separate network for each service, so it made (laughs) made (laughs) made life a little bit easier.
2: Well, and I think that goes to this this transition that we're having is that that the enterprises had private networks and they were. By definition, and inherently secure, and now they're not <laughs> because we moved to a different style of technology where you have to lay security on top of it, and it's not easy at all
0: yeah uh the next thing I wanted to get into was uh this this acronym uh, secu- uh sassy secure access service edge mm. um, what you know what impact has this uh i want to say I don't know, technology movement or technology realization had on the SD WAN market. You know, has it has it has it influenced uh, product strategy a little bit of both? I'm 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 still trying to kind of get my head around where this stuff becomes wh- where SD WAN fits into that whole equation because it's being described as like the you know the the service edge, so it's 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 everywhere, right? Right. It's a bit obtuse a question. I'll give you that.
2: (laughs) It has fundamentally impacted the marketing surrounding SD-WAN because I don't know that you see an SD-WAN service or technology that doesn't mention the term. Uh, I think it has led to a bit more confusion Mm -hmm. because... The framework that SASE lays out has truly, has has been something that managed SD-WAN services have struggled with from the beginning, which is how do you integrate the security with the networking on an application basis, uh, you know, uh, on an application by application basis. Yeah. It's complex. It's been, if you look at every survey that we've done that has tracked this, security has always floated up to right at the top as what are your top concerns about a transition to an SD-WAN service and its security. Right at the beginning, it was always cost. It was, whoo, all right, this is going to cost me less. I love it. And then they realized that cost was was not a driver. Um, and then security just floated right up to the top as as. As one of the concerns, so um, so I think I, the the Sassy terminology has had a, a material impact, I would say, on the marketing and uh, how SD WAN is, I guess, fit into it. Uh, I don't ever see Sassy replacing SD WAN. It's it's part of it, and SD WAN is there to I guess we'd call it shape the networking traffic. You still need the network.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> and we so um, so that's why that's where S D wan comes in.
1: Yeah. I think it's interesting because when SD WAN was really hitting off, it seemed like a lot of the vendors were like, Oh, we were doing it, we've been doing it for ten years before mm-hmm. it was a, a term, and now that Sassy's here, they're like, Oh yeah, we were doing that before <laughs> that was sassy and um right. but you know, now it's coined a term, so that's great.
2: Yeah. And, I mean, <laughs> everyone truly was is doing
1: a, it before it was cool.
2: <laughs> right, exactly. And it truly is a framework. And and folks said that about SD WAN also. We've been right. doing this for years. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you put a term on it. Come on. Uh, <laughs> that's <so> great. <laughs> it, it's
1: great. It, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and I also noticed that, um, you know, it looks like MEF is. Uh, Launching a Sassy standard in addition to their SD-WAN standard. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any updates on um, how MEF's uh, creation of standards around both of those is affecting the market, or um, you know, impacting how suppliers and um, service providers are approaching both SD-WAN and Sassy?
2: I'm glad you asked the question that way, because if you asked me for an update on what the MEF is doing around SASE, my head would start to spin around and (laughs) I'd say you'd have to start talking to them. (laughs) Right, so first of all, what what is clear is they have more than 10 initiatives that are in draft in 2020 that address this entire, um, let's say, overall networking um, technology. And uh, the one thing that we can count on MEF for is they, if history serves, because they have done this repeatedly in, their, in the course of their existence, they have done an excellent job of integrating and standardizing uh, services and coordinating the standardization work within their own body and then with the other standards bodies, with the mm-hmm. goal of having seamless connectivity or seamless technology inter-carrier, intra-carrier, inter- and inter-technology. And that's what we're looking for from them in this. Now, that is, it's, 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 that's, a, that's a big ask, I would say. Um, but judging from what they have started, I think they're on a good path to get us closer to that.
0: Yeah, so that that endpoint that the end result ends up being that the service that that where how a service is defined at the carrier level has some, you know, uh, that it represents the same types of things as you cross into other networks, and, mm-hmm. and and you know, and then you can account for those things, and you can bill for those things, and so on and so forth. Yeah, they right. they they've done that uh, really well with uh, uh with some of the blockchain work, you know, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, and what was the other thing they were just working on? Um, uh, well, obviously they they got their start doing that with Ethernet, of course. Of course. Uh, right. So that was like one of the you know quality of service over over a uh, what would, an enterprise grade networking standard. Uh, I right. guess was the the, 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 right. the way the way that they got that all going. So. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that'll be interesting to see how that all pans out. I think it'll it'll all um, kind of coalesce into sometime in twenty twenty one. We'll 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 have to sit through a, a two hour press conference where they explain it all to us. So that'll be right. Really great. And <laughs>
2: and with the the oversimplified goal of orchestrating services uh, and. Technologies, because you're going up and down the stack now. Before yeah. they were just at the networking layer, right? And but now they're, as you said, you mentioned blockchain. Now they're looking at AI. Now they're looking at yeah. all of the different um, software, very software oriented technologies uh, to achieve that goal. So, uh, I, I, I'm glad. I'm glad they're here. <laughs> Good for them. (laughs) Good for them. I don't want to do it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And it it does also seem like there's that benefit of, um, you know, suppliers and and service providers getting certification for their SD-WAN services to at least have a kind of a a measuring stick to hold up to uh, enterprises that are interested in SD-WAN and might be new to the area or um, right. just are kind of stumped by the 30 plus vendors out there. <laughs>
2: right. And, <laughs> and yeah. everyone yes, who and I, said,
1: oh, did SDN for it was cool. Right,
2: exactly. <laughs> and so they have the professionals, they have the vendor certification and the provider certification. And that does go a long way. I, starting with tech terminology, everyone's yeah. talking the same language. Um, a little bit easier for an enterprise to possibly... Um, compare apples to apples, although we're not seeing out there yet uh, enterprises saying, I want a MEF certified SD WAN mm-hmm. service. That's what mm-hmm. I'm looking for. We're not seeing that yet, but it's early in the game. We didn't see that with Ethernet, and right. then you did. And then you did. Then you did. Uh, huh? It was kind of a checklist item on RFPs over over the course of time. So let's, I think we look to the future for that. Okay. Cool. Do you
1: see um, in in twenty twenty one where we're we're all hoping things will get better? <laughs> um, do you see um, the SD WAN market growing next year or changing in any ways? Maybe we'll see more, mm-hmm. uh, you know, remote work services. What are your
2: mm-hmm. What are well, your predictions? <laughs> oof, predictions are great. Um, so a little history. Uh, 2019, there was triple-digit revenue growth for what we defined as carrier-managed SD-WAN services, and okay. that means you're buying an enterprise is buying a service from a service provider and paying them a monthly bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's lots and lots of DIY services out there. You can buy the boxes and throw them on all your endpoints and do it yourself, right? Of course. Um, but but what I'm talking about here is. Is a managed service for SD-WAN. Mm-hmm. Triple-digit growth, great market, lots of new uh, entrants into the market, uh, and fun, right? We we love we love new services that come out and bring some excitement to our to our very stodgy networking. Yeah, industry, right. We love it. Yeah, um, it Used to be
0: every twenty years. Now it's it, so much more quickly. It's so much more.
2: <laughs> it's so much more fun. Um, and then you know you had the first month, the first couple of months, January and February. Uh, sales are great. Robust. Pipelines were, were wide. And this was a great market. And then bang.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. Oh, did we talk about a pandemic right at the beginning of this?
0: It's still happening, apparently. Apparently it's still just, happening. I just checked.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so still Thanks still for happening. checking. because <laughs> yeah. it, it could have ended while we were on the phone. Right. <laughs> so yeah,
0: They come and go, you know.
2: Yes. So with what we were seeing again, triple digit uh, revenue growth. We mm. dropped our revenue uh, projections for 2020 for SD-WAN to 17%. That's mm-hmm. a, that's a big drop wow. um, from, uh, you know, a formerly very, very robust growing surf service service. What we're seeing in Q3, you know, Q3 into Q4, which is where we're at right now, is the economic recovery starts to gain some momentum. We just got some good news about the GDP just, I believe, yesterday. Uh, And I mean, that's great news, 33 plus percent over the last quarter. That, I I think that shows that things are starting to come back. Um, And in 2021, uh, we're looking at a rebound of revenue growth uh our p- growth projection is constantly in flux i got to say that the analysts on our team are touching that thing almost every day so yeah. i don't have a number for you but let's go with higher than 17% yeah yeah <laughs> that's <it>.
0: good <laughs> so some some sort of uh some sort of bounce back recovery but but probably but but not probably not approaching what we had you know in in 2019 but then again you know, I guess, I guess the, the gating factor will be at the back half of next year, Mm -hmm. how, how quickly and how, um, how much do things resemble, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, what the business climate was in 2019, you know, in terms of being able to, uh, staff offices fully, you know, take just to generally take down the overall risk of, uh, of Mm COVID-19, uh, because COVID-19 will still be around, but it's just like, you know, we can, we can, Take down the risk to the point, in much the same way we have with the flu and everything else, you know that that, uh, that, that people
2: catch. <laughs> right. Yes. So we did a survey in early Q three of service providers worldwide, and we asked them, "What's your post pandemic view of of SD WAN and or uh, you know of the entire market?" And how can SD-WAN, you know, what's the outlook for your SD-WAN services? And the two major themes that kept coming back were uh, accelerated enterprise IT transformation, meaning companies, exactly what you just said, companies need to be nimble and figure out how to change and stay profitable and in business working differently over the next Year to two years, uh, and how do they do that? Um, they need flexible work from home solutions. So those were the two themes that kept coming up, and um, the service providers are looking to address those those two for their customers. We've seen it, uh, <laughs> and we already talked about work from home, but j- just the the basic IT transformation. The one thing we've also seen with this is the general. Hmm, desire, maybe it's a good word, for managed services. <laughs> enterprises figured out it's really hard to do this by yourself, especially when you need to change. And so you, we're seeing uh, the managed services market, whether it's you know voice, video, networking, data, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, enterprises are looking for a service provider to take care of that for them and, and implement it quickly and, uh, and be able to roll with the changes. So, so, uh, again, no, no small, no small task. Yeah.
1: yeah. They want to be but, able to hit that. I was going to say, um, panic button, but maybe easy, buttons a little bit more positive,
2: but <laughs> no more panic buttons. Please. That's right. No panicking, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so that's, that's, I guess, our SD-WAN predictions for 2021 are that, yes, we're going to see some revenue rebounds. Yes, we're going to see that revenue look a little different than we would have predicted, again, with more distributed workforce, uh, mostly working from home. And yeah. this was not something that was expected, of course, but it's it's... It's a change that SD-WAN should be able to address. It's just a matter of do the applications of the home worker require an SD-WAN technology at their endpoint, and many of them don't. And when they don't, they utilize something else that's been around for many, many years and works. If you don't have a lot of east-west requirements or if you don't have a lot of trust, untrusted requirements within your uh, remote location, uh, you know, general connectivity that is, you know, with security laid on top may just work just fine for you. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, well, we'll have to check in with you again next year, if we're all still here. <laughs>
2: if we're all still here, we'll be, <laughs> It'll be, we'll fine. be working from fine. home, most likely.
0: <laughs> yes, indeed.
1: Probably. Uh, yes. Well, thanks for joining us, Aaron. It's been great.
2: Thank you very yes, much. Have you. a great day.
1: You too. That's it. That's our show for today. Thanks to our amazing producer, Tianfu, for all his hard work editing the podcast. And also a big thanks to our listeners for tuning in and sharing the podcast with your friends and colleagues. If you have any ideas about a future podcast topic or a potential guest for the show, please email us at editors at Please also tell a friend to subscribe. And thanks for listening to the Light Reading Podcast. We'll see you next time.
0: This podcast is sponsored by Nokia, proud builder of IP and optical communications infrastructure, the beating heart of the networks that keep us all going. Nokia IP and Optical, the foundation for what's to come.